The following audio is from City Rev Church. For more information about City Rev Church, visit us online at cityrev.org. You can join us live Saturday nights at 6 p.m., Sunday mornings at 9, 10.30, or 12, or you can join us online at cityrev.org. City Rev Church, so glad to join you this weekend, and thank you for joining us live online. I love singing that song over and over in a season like this. You know, when there's so much information out there, so many things, so many message, so much messaging we can put in our minds, it's so helpful to replay over and over and over the most important truths that no matter what is happening, no matter what's happening in society, no matter what's happening in our cities, no matter what's happening around us, the reality of who God is never changes, and that is something that we can rest in. I want to just take a moment and uh, begin our time of Bible study with a word of prayer. But before we pray for uh, what we're studying today, I wanted to just take a moment and take a moment and pray over all of our medical professionals throughout our community and our first responders. And, you know, really, those are very heavy on our heart as a church. We have so many of them that are a part of City Rev Church. But we want to just pray over our community, over our city. In so many ways, they are on the front lines, putting themselves in in harm's way to help us fight the spread of uh, this virus that uh, that is going through our community. And so I just wanted to pray a special prayer over that segment of our community. So let's just together as a church, wherever you are, Um, Would you just pray with me over our medical professionals and our first responders? Father God, we thank you for those in our community that have such incredible courage, such strong character to go into work every day, every shift, and to serve those in our community that are sick, those who are ailing. Lord, we thank you for that incredible courage. We know, Lord, that is a reflection, that kind of character, that kind of selflessness is a reflection of the kind of love that you have for us, that Jesus Christ came down to earth and put himself in harm's way for our salvation. And we're surrounded by heroes every day in our community that are putting themselves in harm's way for our safety and our protection. We thank you for them. Lord, I just pray protection over every single person, every paramedic, every, every nurse, every doctor, every person that works at a doctor's office or a clinic or at a hospital. Lord, I pray over, over all of our first responders, all law enforcement and firefighters and all of those who are responding in the midst of this crisis. Lord, I ask your protection over all of those in our city. Lord, I pray that you'd wrap your hands and your arms around them. As you say in Psalm 91, just cover them with your wings. Almighty God, I ask your protection on them. I ask your protection on their families. I ask that you would fill them with confidence in you, that they would turn to you for their protection. And Lord, I pray that you would give them peace and rest that you, as you protect them and their families. We thank you for each one of them here in our city. Lord, as we're spending this time studying the Bible together, God, I pray as we open your scripture, I pray that you would speak to us in this season, Lord. We need to hear from you in a special way uh, today. And I pray that you would speak to us. Thank you for your word. We thank you that we can find your truth 
in a place like that, pure truth in a season like this. So Lord, transform our hearts, speak to our hearts in Jesus' name, amen. You know, a few uh, days ago, my wife and I were awakened in the middle of the night by my son. He's four years old, and he comes into our room. He's uh, very distressed. He's, he's fighting back tears, and he wakes us up, and it turns out he's had a bad dream. And so uh, I get out of bed, and I, I uh, walk in. Rebecca gets out of bed, too. We're kind of comforting him, and I end up in, in his in his room, and I'm putting him back down, and, and he's a tough little guy. If you know my son, he is, I mean, he is a tough little guy. He's fearless, and um, so I, I want to find out, man, what is this dream that has gotten him so worked up, and so he's laying there in his bed. I sit on the edge of his bed, and, and he, I tuck him back in. I'm like, buddy, you know, what, what's wrong? What, what, what happened in your dream? And he says, dad, he's all terrified. He says, dad, there were bees. I said, bees? He says, yeah, there were, there were bees, there were bees everywhere, and they were chasing me, and I was running around, and there were bees chasing me, and they were trying to sting me. It was so scary. And I, I got to admit, like, I, and maybe this makes me a bad dad, but I was doing everything I could not to burst out laughing at that moment, just that, that image in my mind. And, and I tried to keep myself composed. I was glad it was dark so he couldn't see me trying to, like, not chuckle um, because I know that I have had some pretty bizarre dreams that freak me out, too, throughout my life. And so I, I said to him, oh, buddy, I, I, I'm, I'm so sorry that you had that dream. And I, I said, but there's no bees in here, and you're, you're safe. And I said, um, you know, let, let's talk to Jesus and, and just ask him to protect you from having more bee dreams. And so he prayed, and then I prayed. We asked Jesus to protect him from no more bee nightmares. And I said, buddy, do you, do you, do you feel better? You know that Jesus is here with us. And he goes, yeah. And I could tell that was kind of half-hearted, okay? He's trying to believe that Jesus is with him. And so I said, oh, okay, well, how about this? And I open up this little compartment. And I pull out like as many of his stuffed animals as I could. And I put, him, put all of his friends all around him. And I say, here, we'll put all your friends here, all your stuffed animals, so they'll help protect you. And I could tell that made him feel confident. And I walked out of the room, and he, he fell back to sleep. And so I, I was thinking about that, and I was thinking about how, you know, he, he had prayed and he asked Jesus to protect him. And I could tell that that helped a little, but I could tell he was still a little bit scared. And honestly, as much as I know that Jesus can, can protect us in difficult times, and a lot of times I, I draw so much strength, a lot of times I even feel this miraculous peace with that knowledge. But there are some times when I'm still left with this feeling, like, Jesus, I know that you're here with me. I know that I'm supposed to believe that, but sometimes I look around and I just say, man, where are you, God? Where are you in, in all of this? And so I don't know about you, but I, I know in a season like this where there's a pandemic, I know that I, I've, I've been asked that question, you know, uh, and, and honestly, you know, sometimes it's by someone who's, you know, maybe you've had this question, maybe by a coworker or a friend or a neighbor or a family member. Where they're like, look, this is why I don't believe in God. You know, when all this difficult stuff happens, I, you know, it's like, where's God in all of this difficulty, all this pain, all this danger? Or maybe that's why another person in your life, maybe they would say that they're an agnostic. Or maybe that's what you feel. You're like, look, I'm not sure I believe in God. And these are the things that makes it hard for me to believe in God. Where is God in all of this? And maybe what the hardest part is you've tried to respond to those or, or trying to process through that is that you're like, man, I, sometimes even though I know God and I believe in God, I believe in Jesus, I struggle with those questions myself. Or maybe you're one of those people that says, look, I, I want to believe in God, but these moments like this, it makes it so hard. I just want to say, where is God in all of this? Well, here's what I want you to know. The, the Bible addresses questions like this, and it never chastises us 
It never scolds us for wrestling with that type of question. In fact, it welcomes that question, and it also answers it. And so I want to read this passage to you, and it, it may not answer all of your questions, but it certainly answers it enough where I believe we can find peace in the midst of circumstances like this. I can tell you that in seasons like this, this is one of those passages I run to personally to find strength. We're going to look at John chapter 11. If you have a Bible or Bible app, open to John chapter 11. The book of John is one of the biographies of the ministry of Jesus. And so let's, this is an episode in the ministry of Jesus. It's towards the end of his ministry. And I just want to read this passage to you. It's really beautiful. John chapter 11. It says this in verse 1. Now a certain man was ill. You know, I've read this passage so many times, but, you know, a season like this, man, that, that phrase right there, a certain man was ill, carries so much more weight. Because I, I bet you know someone who is ill. I bet you've had someone ask you, maybe even to pray for a friend of theirs or a family member who's ill. It, it's appreciating the weight of this statement that helps this passage come alive. Now, a certain man was ill. Lazarus of Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. It was Mary who anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was ill. So the sisters sent to him saying, Lord, he whom you love is ill. Now I want you to see that there, and I'm just going to pause just for a second, and really what I'm going to do today is I just want, we're going to read through the story, and I just want you to just let this story just minister to you. I just want you to hear the words of Scripture. And I'm just going to pause along the way. The first thing I want you to appreciate is this man, Lazarus, is ill. This is not like he's got a cold. He is very gravely ill. He is in critical condition. He is very ill. Here's the second thing I want you to know. This is one of Jesus' dear friends. This is not someone that he kind of knew. It's not an acquaintance. It's not a stranger. He's not getting a message from someone that he doesn't know in an earthly relationship. This is a dear friend of his. This is a close friend. So this is not like hearing, if you were in this position of getting this letter like Jesus is, this is not like being in the position of hearing about a friend's friend's friend who's ill. This is like hearing about one of your close friends who's ill. Jesus gets this letter, the, the one whom you love, the friend whom you love is ill. Let's pick it up in verse 4. But when Jesus heard it, he said, this illness does not lead to death. It is for the glory of God so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Now, Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. Now look at this next word. So, all right, I want everyone who's watching this, wherever you're at, whatever living room, if you're at a desk behind a computer watching on your phone, I want everyone to say the word so with me when I count to three. Ready? One, two, three, so. Okay, I want you to say that and remember that. It says, he loved this family. He loved Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. He loved them so. Since he loved them, this is what he's about to do. So, he loved them so when he heard that Lazarus was ill. 
He stayed two days longer in the place where he was. All right, I, I want you just to pause here just w- with me very briefly. A couple things out of this verse that you, you've got to hear. First of all, Jesus says, this is not going to lead to death. He says, this is what this moment is going to lead to. He says, this moment is going to lead to God being glorified. And then he says, the Son of Man, that means Jesus. Jesus is God in the flesh, the Son of God. So that God may be glorified and so that people will know who the Son of Man really is. In other words, so people will know who I am a little bit better. And he's not, he's, he, that's what he means by that statement, even though he's not coming right out and saying it like that. He's saying, so that, so that who I truly am can be revealed. He says, that's the purpose of this. It's ultimately, the way this is going to play out is for God's glory. But then, also wrapped up in that, he his intentions is based on his love for Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. Now, what you'd expect is he says, because he got the message, because he loves them, he's, he just dropped everything that he was doing. He rushed over to them to see how he could help. That's not what it says. Jesus, in kind of a puzzling move, he says, because he loved them, this is what he did. He stayed put for two more days. Now watch how this discussion, there's an interesting discussion that plays out between him and his disciples. Let's pick it up in verse 7. Here's what it says. Then after this, he said to his disciples, let us go to Judea again. The disciples said to him, Rabbi, the Jews were just now seeking to stone you. And you are going there again? Jesus answered, are there not 12 hours in the day? If anyone walks in the day, he does not stumble, but he sees the light of this world. But if anyone walks in the night, he stumbles because the light is not in him. After saying these things, he said to them, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I go to awaken him. The disciples said to him, Lord, if he's fallen asleep, he will recover. Now Jesus had spoken of his death, but they thought that he meant taking rest and sleep. Then Jesus told them plainly, Lazarus has died. And for your sake, I am glad that I was not there so that you may believe, but let us go to him. So Thomas called the twin, said to his fellow disciples, let us go that we may die with him. All right, you got to see how this story plays out. But first, I just want you to see the discussion between him and his disciples. The first thing is the disciples are like, he says, let's go to Judea, which is the southern part of Israel. That's where Jerusalem, places like Bethlehem, and this city, Bethany, is located. And he says, let's go down into Judea. And the disciples says, whoa, why are you going back there? You know that the, the religious leaders of the Jewish people are going to try and kill you. They're going to try to stone you to death. I mean, at this point, this is late in Jesus' ministry. This is probably just weeks before he's uh, eventually crucified. He's already done all of these miracles. His notoriety is all over the place. The, the religious leaders are jealous of him. They're already wanting to kill him. His disciples know that. They say, look, Jesus, if you go down to Bethany where Lazarus is, if you go to him, you are risking your life. And here's what I want you to see. By Jesus going to Mary, Martha, and Lazarus, he is placing himself in harm's way. He is risking his life to do this. What's even more puzzling is that Jesus knows that Lazarus is already dead. And and this is puzzling because it's like, okay, he says, I love them, so 
I'm gonna stay until Lazarus dies. That does not make any sense. I mean, how is that supposed to work? Well, you've gotta see how this story plays out. Let's pick it up in verse 17. Now, when Jesus came, he found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb four days. Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles off, and many of the Jews had come to Martha and Mary to console them concerning their brother. So when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went and met him, but Mary remained seated in the house. Martha said to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now, I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give you. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? She said to him, yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ and the Son of God who is coming into the world. When she had said this, she went and called her sister Mary, saying in private, the teacher is here and is calling for you. And when she heard it, she rose quickly and went to him. Now Jesus had not yet come into the village, but was still in the place where Martha had met him. When the Jews who were with her in the house consoling her saw Mary rise quickly and go out, they followed her, supposing that she was going to the tomb to weep there. Now when Mary came to where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet, saying to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews who had come with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in his spirit and greatly troubled, and he said, where have you laid him? They said to him, Lord, come and see. Jesus wept. So the Jews said, see how he loved him. But some of them said, could not he who had opened the eyes of the blind man also have kept this man from dying? I, I want to just hold it there. In, in just a moment, I'm going to read uh, the, the last section we're going to look at in this story in, in just a second. But I, I just want you to see there's so much in here in this text. In, in fact, um, just looking at how Jesus handles Mary and Martha it is so instructive. Did you notice that Mary and Martha, they both ask him the same question? And it's not really a question, it's a statement, but there's a question behind it. You know, they, they say, Jesus, if you'd been here, we told you, Jesus, if you'd been here, your bro my, our brother, the, this good friend of yours, this dear friend of yours would not have died. And what's so instructive in here is how Jesus handles each one of them. And, and Mary and Martha, they're, they're, um, they're two characters in the Bible that are discussed a lot in the Gospels. And you, you learn their different personalities. You've got Martha who's really asking a lot of cerebral questions. She's struggling. She's doubting. And you've got Mary that's just deeply uh, emotionally wounded. They're, they're both struggling. And, and, and for another discussion um, at another time, it could be a whole other sermon, what's so 
instructive is how Jesus handles each one of them. In fact, um, we just um, launched last week a podcast called the City Rev Life Podcast. And on Wednesday of this past week, we released an episode called Comforting Each Other in Difficult Times. And what we did in that episode, I want to encourage you to go back and, and check out that episode on the uh, City Rev Life Podcast because in that, in that episode, we talked about um, Jesus' way of comforting Martha who needs answers and needs truth and Mary who needs empathy and how Jesus masterfully, masterfully comforts each of them. And that's so important for us to see how Jesus handles each of them, handles them differently. Because in a season like this, one of the best ways we can be the hand, hands and feet of Jesus is to comfort those who are struggling around us. And so church, um, this is an opportunity for us to be the presence of Christ in our city and, and comfort each other. I want you to go back and take a listen to that, that podcast from this past Wednesday, Wednesday comforting each other in, in difficult times because that's a way we can minister to them. And Jesus gives us an incredible model for how to do this. He goes to each one of them. They're both asking the same question, essentially the question that the Jews end up asking him, um, why he wasn't there, and he comforts them. And the answer that he gives to Martha is he says this. He says, basically, he answers it by telling her who he is. He says, I am the resurrection and the life. She says, I know that, you know, there'll be, you know, I, I'm believing that, that Lazarus is, you know, that there's life after death and one day he'll rise again. And I, I believe all that and, and I'm trusting that. And Jesus says, no, I am the resurrection and the life. And so here's what he's saying. He's saying, Yes, there's life after death, but life after death is only through the Son of God, Jesus Christ. Resurrection, life after death, death comes through Jesus. And so maybe you would call yourself a Christian, and maybe you say, yeah, I'm a Christian, I believe in God, and you know, I believe in Jesus. Well, here's what I want you to know, is that the only way there's life after death, it's through the person of Jesus. He is the resurrection and the life. That's who he is. He is the resurrection and the life. And here's the good news. He offers eternal life to you as a free gift. And so in fact, at the end of our, our Bible study time here, I'm gonna give you an opportunity. If you're saying, look, I'm not sure that I've received that gift of eternal life, or I'd like to know for sure. By the end of our time here, I'm gonna tell you how you can receive that gift for free, that free gift of eternal life through Jesus Christ. He says, I am the resurrection and the life. This is the message that he gives to Martha. And, and then I want you to see what he does with Mary. It says that he weeps with her. Now remember, Jesus already knew that he was coming to see Lazarus and he knew that he had already died and what Jesus says is he's going to awaken him up out of death. Jesus already knew what he was walking into. But seeing Mary, and he knows what he's about to do, but seeing Mary and seeing her pain, he weeps. I want you to see the compassion of your Savior. But it goes more than that. What it actually says here in the text is it says that he was deeply, deeply moved. The original Greek word there, it's hard to put into words what this, the original ancient Greek is trying to describe here it's saying that he is absolutely indignant. He's 
furious. He's the, the type of angry where you're so mad you want to punch a hole in the wall. It says that he is deeply moved and indignant. It's not just like he's shaking his head. There is a rage and a fury rising up in him as he looks at all of this pain. He's not mad at Mary and Martha and all of these friends for, for their grief. He's grieving with them. He's indignant at this pain. Why? Because his fundamental mission, Jesus Christ, his fundamental mission is to combat evil, death, pain, harm, grief, sadness. He's the one that one day wipes every tear from every eye and one day makes all things new. He is in, his, in the middle of his mission when, he reads, when we read this. He's in the middle of his mission to turn back all darkness and evil. And when he sees this, it makes him enraged because he's seeing the work of his mortal enemy who he is going to crush it's so important for you to see Jesus' emotional state, weeping and grieving with Mary and Martha, and furious and indignant at the work of evil and darkness. He hates pain and conquers it one day. Here's what happens next. Let's, let's finish up this part of the story. These Jewish uh, leaders or these Jewish um, people there surrounding Mary and Martha that are weeping, they, they ask the question, could he have not stopped Lazarus from dying? I mean, they're all three times essentially the question, Jesus, why didn't you come and stop this? Here's what happens next. Then Jesus, deeply moved again, came to the tomb. It was a cave with stone laying against it. Jesus said, take the stone, take away the stone. Martha, the sister of the dead man, said to him, Lord, by this time there will be an odor, for he has been dead four days. Jesus said to her, did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? So they took away the stone and Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I say this on account of the people standing around that they may believe that you have sent me. When he had said these things, he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out! And the man who died came out his hands and feet bound with linen strips and his face wrapped with a cloth. And Jesus said to them, unbind him and let him go. This, this scripture has got to be one of my favorite stories in the entire Bible. Can you imagine that moment? He's standing there at the tomb, and I wonder if he just stops for a beat. He's looking at this cave with a stone rolled inside, and he's wondering what it must be like for Lazarus' dead body lying there in the tomb because he knows in just a few short weeks he'll be in that exact same position. And he says, roll away the stone. And Mary has to have the most uncomfortable conversation. She says, Jesus, 
He's been dead four days. I mean, there's going to be a smell. She's just recoiling at the indignity that he's asking her to do. I mean, what incredible step of faith he's asking Mary and Martha to do in the midst of their pain. And they roll away the stone. And then it says he says in a loud voice. He says he has to shout it. Why does he have to shout it? Is it because he's yelling into a cave? Is it because he's not sure how far back Lazarus is? Is it because he might be in a farther back room? Or, or no, no, that's not it. Maybe it's because you know, he's got linen strips wrapped around his entire body, wrapped around his head and his ears, and maybe he's got to shout loud to make sure he hears it. No, that's not it. He's got to shout it because the power of Jesus is shouting into death itself, calling a man out of death. Dead ears are going to hear this. He's shouting it. That's the power that Jesus, who is the resurrection, is commanding over a dead man. And then he says, Lazarus, come out. And you know what? I heard a preacher say, an old preacher, a long time ago. And he said it like this. He says, you know why Jesus had to say Lazarus' name? Because you got to remember the person you're dealing with here, with Jesus. He defines all resurrection. And he's standing amidst tombs. And if Jesus had just commanded, come out, not speaking to anyone in particular, all the dead bodies would have come out of the tomb. He calls Lazarus out of the tomb. And the man is coming out. I mean, he's wrapped in in linen strips. He's coming out of the tomb. He's looking, I mean, he's like a mummy, literally. And can you imagine everyone recoiling, like, what is happening? They don't even know if this is a horror movie, if they're supposed to cheer, if they're supposed to scream, if they're supposed to run. And they're all just standing there gasping, I mean, choking back tears, choking back screams, looking at this man coming out of the tomb, not daring to hope that their worst fears have been conquered by Jesus. And Jesus, seeing them standing around and seeing this man squirm inside of his linen strips, he says, unbind the man. Can you imagine Mary and Martha running to him and pulling back the strips and seeing the face of their brother as they're unwrapping his entire body? Can you imagine this moment when Jesus demonstrated who he was? Now, what was dinner like that night with Lazarus? I mean, you got, I'd have questions for Lazarus, like, Dude, like, like, where have you been the last four days? Like, what was that like? You know, I mean, they've got, they've got questions. I mean, they're like a little standoffish. Like, Lazarus, I, you know, just need a little a break, man. I'm a little freaked out. I mean, what, what must that have been like? And, and you know, I, I wonder, you know, the way I picture it is I, I just wonder if they still had some lingering questions, you know, like um, Jesus, why did you wait? I mean, yeah, you rose him back, but you could have spared us from all this, this pain. Why did you make us go through the death? Why did you make us anoint his body? Why did you make us wrap him in, in linen strips? Why did you make him have to go to death? We had to bury him and mourn. for. We had to worry day after day when you didn't come, and then we have to mourn and go through anger. We had to go through all that. Why did you make us walk through all of that? And yes, it has a happy ending, but why did we walk through all that? Because, you know, they they knew who Jesus was. I mean, they knew he was more than a teacher. They said, you're the Christ, the Son of God. 
but he needed them to know who he was, who he was in all of his glory. He needed to reveal more to them. He's the resurrection. Why did he wait? What's the answer to Martha's question, Mary's question, and all those who are mourning with them? Like, why didn't he come? The text already answers that. He didn't come because he loves them. He wanted them to know who he was because now that they know what he's capable of, how did this change the rest of their lives? From that point forward, Martha, Mary, Lazarus, they know. I mean, Jesus, I can trust his timing. When when I'm wondering where God is, when I'm wondering where Jesus is, I know he's going to come through. So I I know I can just trust him. I mean, can you imagine how the rest of their lives change? Why did, did Jesus wait? so that he could show them that his, the extent of his power, that he can call Lazarus from the tomb because he loves them. And you know what else? Because there are others that he loved and that he loves. He waited two extra days because 2,000 years later, there's a whole crop of people that he loves. There's a, there's a whole city of people that he loves that are walking through a trial, walking through a sickness, walking through a pandemic, and he waited two extra days because he loves you and he loves me and he wants us to know what he's capable of. He wants us to know his power that he's capable of so that we can trust the one who is the resurrection and the life. The one who nothing can stop his power. He wanted you to know. He wanted those who who are getting word that the one that they love is ill. He wanted them to know who he is. He wanted you to know who are medical professionals and first responders who who, who have fears creeping up in the back of your mind when you drive away from your shift. He wanted you to know that he's the resurrection and the life. He wanted you to know that, that you can trust him. He wanted you to know that you're safely in his hands. He wanted you to know who have aging parents that you're concerned for their, for their health and safety. He wanted you to know who have young children that wonder how this is going to turn out. He wanted you to know who have fears that are wondering, Jesus, when are you going to show up? Jesus, when are you going to show up? Jesus, when are you going to show up? He wanted you to know where he is in a time like this. Where is God in a moment like this? Where's Jesus, the one who said he'll never leave us nor forsake us? Where is Jesus in a moment like this? Jesus is fully in control, acting towards us out of his love. It's because he loves us that he's playing out his perfect timing. And in the meantime, where is he at? Is he standing back in his cold, calculated sovereignty saying, well, I got a plan, you just got to sit through it. No, he's indignant and furious when he sees the brokenness that something like a virus a virus causes. He says, this is the very darkness and evil that I have come to combat. He is furious at the pain that it causes. And he weeps right alongside of us. Even though he knows in his power, just like with Mary, he stops and he weeps with her. Even though he knows in two seconds he's going to get up and rise Lazarus back from the grave. He knows how he's going to turn this around for good. But he's walking through this, weeping alongside of us. He's in control. He's more powerful than we can imagine. And he's walking through this with our 
with pain. You know, I, I wonder if the reason that God wired so many circumstances in our lives where we see things on, from his perspective, I wonder if it's so that we get a glimpse of how he feels towards us. Because we feel the same tension with our own children. If you have children or grandchildren or you have even nieces or nephews or you have children that you babysit, you go through the same situation. There are times that you know that a difficult thing is going to turn out for, for your good and you're actually walking your child through this because you love them. And, and you know that it's for their good but you're in agony with them all along the way. You know, um, our prayer and our expectation is one day, one day soon, Lord willing, they'll find a, a vaccination for the coronavirus and probably one day that'll be a part of the, the booster shots that, that kids get, the part of the vaccinations that children get. And one day it'll be time for a child maybe to get the coronavirus vaccination. And everyone who's lived through this pandemic will know exactly why that is so important for that child to get that, that vaccination. And as that, child, that parent brings their child to the doctor's office that day and they go to get that shot, the child's like, why are you doing this? The younger they are, the more they just, this seems like just torture. Why are you making me go through this? They might even look up to you with these big tears when they get a shot and say, why are you doing this to me? And all we can do in those moments, especially if they're real little and we can't explain it, all we can do, we know it's for their good, but we can just take them in our arms and we just cry with them. We're in so much pain at the pain that they're going through, even though we're acting towards them in perfect love. Why does God do these things? No one knows, but we know who he is. And we know that he, that he loves us. You know, I, um, I, I want to read a verse to you um, in, in closing, but um, I, I want to come back to that story I told you. Uh, earlier I told you about my son who had the nightmare about the, the bees chasing him, and he was afraid they were going to sting him. And um, I tried to comfort him, and he went back to sleep, and um, Rebecca and I helped him fall back asleep. And a couple days ago, this is now a few days after his dream, he's waking up in the morning and um, we're, you know, we like everybody else are now doing homeschool. The kids are not going to school. And so Rebecca, who is a, a champion, is homeschooling our, our kids and she's doing an incredible job. And she started out one morning with this little uh, Bible study for kids, a little devotional for kids that was online. And um, the two kids are sitting with her and she's sitting on the couch and she turns on the devotional and the, op the story in the devotional is about a little girl who's playing in her backyard, and then a bee started chasing her. And my son's like, wait, what? He's like, I can relate to this story, you know? And he's like, and then this little girl, the story is this little girl's running around the yard, and this bee's chasing her around in the yard, and, and, you know, he just had a dream about this. So he's thinking, been there, okay, I know about this. And he's leaning forward, and it says this little girl's running around the yard, and she finds her mom, who's, who's also out in the yard, and she hides behind her mom. And the bee flies up, can't find the little girl, but lands on the mom and stings the mom. And the mom goes, ow, and, um, and picks out the stinger and, and throws it down. And she says, honey, were you running from this bee? And the little girl says, yes, I was, I was afraid of the bee. And the mom says, it's okay, I, I, it stung me, it, it's fine now. And the little girl says, yeah, but I don't want the bee to sting me. I don't want to be stung by the bee. I don't want it to get me too. And the mom says, no, no, bees only have one sting. They can only sting one time, and, and it stung me instead of you. As long as you're hiding behind me, the, the bee can't get you. And since it stung me, it's over. There's no more sting left for you. You know, a few weeks after this story, 
Jesus intentionally enters into Jerusalem, and by the end of the week, he enters in, it was Palm Sunday, it's actually the, what we're celebrating this weekend, is the beginning of the Passion Week, and as he's entering in, they're, they're laying down palm branches, and they're laying down their cloaks, and he's riding in on a donkey, and all of those people that saw Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead are, are still talking about it. They're walking with him, and he's walking into Jerusalem. And by the end of the week, he's hanging on a cross, crucified. And what he's doing, I mean, you can't kill the author of life, the one who is the resurrection. You, you can't kill him. He surrendered his life. He's paying the penalty for all of our sin on the cross. And so he's dying on the cross, and he dies, and he's buried. And on the third day, on Easter Sunday morning, he rises again from the dead, and the stone rolled away, and he walks out. No one calls him out. He is the resurrection. He walks out of the tomb. And in light of what he did, that is how he forgave us. He pays for our sins. He forgave us. He washes away. He takes all of the punishment for the sin in our lives, the mistake, the stuff in our past, the, the guilt, the shame, the, whether it's lies and cheating or, or lust or selfishness or pride. He, he pays for all of that that's in every one of our lives. He pays for that on the cross, washes us. If we accept that, he washes us clean, and he rises again from the dead. And here's what the Bible says. It says, so death, where is your victory? It says, death, where is your sting? You see, here's what Jesus does. Jesus, he takes the sting of death for us. We hide behind Jesus Christ, and he, and he takes the sting for us. And death only has one sting. It's absorbed on Jesus Christ, and he's offering you salvation for free. He says, I paid the penalty for death and rose again so that if you put your faith, if you just receive that free gift, if you receive that forgiveness, there's nothing you can do to earn heaven. If you receive that free gift of eternal life that was won victorious by the person of Jesus, he absorbs death so that when you die, you're actually victorious. You're entering into heaven. See, I wonder if a, a couple days after Lazarus was risen from the dead. They kind of saw him over to the side, and maybe he's like a, he's like a little like burdened, and he's grieved, and, and I wonder if one of the sisters pulled him aside and said, Lazarus, what's, what's wrong? Why are you so upset? Are you mad that Jesus didn't spare you from death? And the way I pictured, I wonder if he said, no. I'm mad that he brought me back from heaven. Apparently, he had more work for me to do, and I'm, I'm grateful to do that, but Man, if you're in Jesus, when you die, you actually find victory. Christian, what have we to fear? We live for Christ, and if we die, it's gain. And if you're not 100% sure that, that you have eternal life in Jesus Christ, then I just want to ask you the same question that Jesus asked Martha. He puts it like this. He, he looks at her, and, and this is Jesus to you. Here's what he says. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes he in, in me shall never die. Do you believe this? That's a question for you. Do you believe that? It's a question for you. Do you believe in Jesus? Because if you do, you have eternal life. 
And one day when you die from this life, you're entering into eternal life in heaven and there you will never die. You'll live for all eternity. That's a free gift. You can receive that right now. Wherever you're at, I want to lead you in a prayer. You can just receive this gift right now, today. Wherever you're at, I want to lead you in this simple prayer. Would you just bow your head and close your eyes? If that's you, just right there, wherever you're seated, whatever device you're watching this on, just simply pray this prayer to God. Say, God, thank you for sending Jesus to save me. I believe he died for me. I believe all my sins are forgiven. I believe he rose again from the dead. And I believe what he did is what saves me for all eternity. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening. For more resources and to check out other teaching series, please visit our website at cityrev.org. If you would like to speak to somebody about beginning a relationship with Jesus or ask any questions you have about this teaching, you can email us at podcast at cityrev.org.